Hello, Date Nighters, back live, Mission Bible Studio, beautiful Orange County, California. Beautiful. Beautiful. Feels like we're rubbing it in. <laughs> Poor people in the Northeast, it's like zero degrees. So huge shout out to our Date Night fam out there in the cold. We love y'all, but it's 72 degrees, sunny with a misty marine there. Oh my love. <laughs> I'm just saying, everyone picks on California. But we deserve it. Uh, that's true. So <laughs> this is a button up episode. In case you missed last week, we had seen this study from Baylor, which said couples who pray together daily have like a 99 percent stay together rate so we launched into prayer and about halfway through the podcast i realized uh oh this is gonna be long so we're finishing it off today yes we hit the big why of prayer the what of prayer and now we are hitting the how of prayer and it's zeke's birthday this week Yay! 10 years by the way no more single digits mama oh my heart i know went off to college one begging for a car and now the last one's double dig oh so quick okay are you ready my sunflower yes ethan are you ready prayer part two let her rip Okay, so do we need to do review for this? I think people can listen. Ouch. Okay, it feels weird to me because of the preacher in me. Like the do whole it. thing has to be a story and have chapters. and. Preach okay, man. let me do it real quick. I'll do announcer voice on this in one breath. You ready? Yes. One, two. Last week, Tony and Bree analyzed Acts 2 and 1 Thessalonians 5, developing a hermeneutic on prayer, observing the early church reliance on prayer and personal importance of prayer, displaying both dependency on God and submission to God, culminating in the rubric of what prayer is, including adoration, confession, and thanksgiving and supplication before running out of time, wrapping up, and making everyone wait for next week. Very cute. <sighs> okay. Cute. You said, <laughs> that's so Joanna Gaines of you. Cute, Chip. Oh, we should ask Chip and Joanna to come on. Oh, we should. I don't have their contact. Anybody know somebody out there in date night world ping us ping us oh you sent me the cutest article by the way i about them yes. yeah there's an article where they talk about maybe people have seen this becoming one and how chips as they grow older chips more serious and joanna's more fun now and they're like i think they called it merging so i forwarded it to you my love and said blessed to merge with you i love it <laughs> is that why you match me by the way on trying to merge Maybe. Merge sounds like a new age term. We're merging. It does. All right. Prayer, specifically the how of prayer. And let's start by sharing how we pray, some of our own rhythms and disciplines and things that we've learned over the years, and then we'll share from scripture. So let's get this thing going. Yes. I think you and Zeke counted the other day and said we pray together as a family like 17 times Mm -hmm. per day in some form or fashion. And that's just adding everything up, whether it's morning devotions, breakfast, lunch, dinner, driving, going somewhere, speaking to someone, any heart training all that. So prayer is a regular part of our family life. Not to say we are nailing it by any means, nope. but it is definitely part of our day because we want to talk with our father and seek his help and tell him thank you. And I have personally loved Jesus's prayer on the Sermon on the Mount and following his example. Also, James 4 has made a huge impact on my own prayer life. Uh, just desiring not to walk in my own strength in anything. So taking each section of my day to the Lord, asking what would please him. You know, what does your word say about this, God, Hmm. Um, what I'm doing? And then asking for his help to do that. It's pretty basic. Yeah. Many times I look over at you on the couch with your little teacup and you're wrapped up in your blanket and your Bible open and your list out. And I think to myself, there's the engine right there. And not just you, but everyone else who's praying. That's the engine that drives ministry. I don't think people understand that. I don't think any of us really can grasp, you know, it's an, it's an eternal reality, but in a way that God says, you know, your, your means are justifying the ends that I have preordained. When we attend church or we hear preaching and it moves hearts or we see things on YouTube, the engine to all that is prayer. 
And Mission Bible is a praying church. Every meeting, every ministry, we're praying. If you come early and you see the praise team kneeling on stage before services, praying, kids ministry, praying, discipleship groups are singing of hymns and confessing of sin and praying all week long. That's the engine. Like we talked about last week, it's the ultimate sign of dependence on God and our submission to God. Um, well, I'd say this is an area like you mentioned that I'm constantly working to improve. It's a for sure a weak spot in my armor. I remember Billy Graham was asked, I think when he was like 90, you know, what's one thing you could go back and change? What would it be? And he immediately said, I'd have prayed more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when any of us read of like a Martin Luther, he's praying 4am to 6am in the morning, we're convicted. Mm -hmm. So I know it's got to improve, but yeah, it's part of my discipline. It's like a typical day. I'll get up before the kids usually hit my knees by the dining room table before devotions, cry out for help and wisdom and review what the day holds. Um, and that's just Ephesians six, putting on the armor of the gospel again. And then I'll write little prayers in the margin of my study Bible in the morning. Um, and then most of my meetings are church-related, which include prayer, especially time with pastors and elders, which is a real blessing of being in ministry full-time. Um, and then study forces prayer because you're being confronted with the truth. Either confess, praise, or you end up an embittered and kind of shell of a minister. Uh, typically, we pray for meals uh, or on the way home before walking up to see you guys. I think all men, we need to remember, let's get our armor on before we go up for that kind of second role as husband and father at night. We do our devotions at dinner around the table. We do our prayer boards and then praying with the kids before bed. And when I'm doing a book study, like with Ethan now on Monday nights, we'll pray. Uh, I'll do my prayer for church members every night alphabetically, going through the member roster. Uh, then you and I pray. We hold hands and we pray at night before we go to sleep. I don't know that we've ever missed no. in 20 years. Mm -mm. And what if someone feels like that's too much? Oh, I get that. <laughs> I feel it. But what the Lord's teaching me about disciplines, spiritual disciplines, isn't that they need to be long and drawn out, but just consistent. And we often overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what the Lord will build in five. And so just I would say build in daily rhythms and schedule it. And even if it's only two to three minute chunks, stick with it and it'll all add up in the end. Are those all out loud? Most, well, many of my prayers, but not, not all. I mean, I'm amazed in any situation. If I privately ask the Lord for help, like I'm tired or help me to love this person, whatever lines with his will in scripture, those moments tend to go from worst to first. I think this, the spirit often is saying, hey, I just wanted you to ask me. And that happens with evangelism too. Like when I'm at Sprouts and there's someone I've gotten to know or trying to build a relationship with and I begin praying for that person by name and the Lord will inevitably open a door to share either my testimony or about the church. And mm. it's so beautiful how he does There that. was one gal on that note, my barber, and mm. we began praying for her. And you actually took her through fundamentals of the faith at the house. And so it is amazing how, the Lord, yeah, how the Lord answers. You should tell everyone about the little journal you're doing. <laughs> okay. It's, it's goofy. I started working on this little journal and I have, my wife is not excited about it yet. I'm trying to get her excited. I am too. I started oh, it. excited in theory where I, I take all <laughs> the requests and answers off our prayer board and instead of throwing them away, I, I take tape them into a little journal. So descriptions, dates, I have these little tabs and I'm trying to keep track of everything because it hit me. The Lord has answered hundreds and hundreds of requests. Like He's just been so faithful over the years in marvelous ways. Um, and we weren't commemorating that. So yeah, for whatever time remains, I want the kids. I want you. I just want us all to have a record of God's faithfulness. Amen. So here's a Bible list. We're going to move on now into the, the, the meat and the bones. Here's a Bible list of how to pray. And this is not extensive. And we're going to go through this really quick. And remember, like we talked about last week, all of this grows over time, both in scope and scale. So if you're listening to this, you're going, man, this all sounds like a lot. It's like riding a bike. The best thing to do is just get on and start pedaling and you'll and be amazed at how it'll grow. Yes. If you want a more comprehensive list, pick up Joel Beakey's Developing a Healthy Prayer Life. Yes. that Actually, that book, a lot of this is pulled from that book. So if you want to grab the book, then you can read it. 
You read, I'll commentate. How to pray number one is pray in Christ's name. Pray in Christ's name, which just means we don't pray based on our authority or our good works, really on anything that we're doing. We're, we're, we're praying solely on Jesus' authority and his perfect righteousness. So praying in Jesus' name or authority means I don't pray based on my good merits, my touchy-feely emotions, how passionate I am, even whether I want to pray or not, but rather I'm putting all of my trust in Jesus, his life, death, and intercession for me at the throne. John sixteen twenty four says, Have you asked nothing in my name? Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Yep, all Jesus is saying is fall to your knees, confessing who is God and master. Don't pray to yourself, your own strength and your own capability. Truly come to the place of entire dependence on me. How does that work exactly? Yeah, it happens the more we pray. You know, the more we encounter difficulties and turn our desperation upward instead of inward, the more we are placing our trust in another. And that's why I'm such a proponent of kneeling. Not that you have to kneel to pray, but I'm a proponent of it because it's a physical act that's reminding my spiritual self that I am, in fact, the beggar here. And that's why we sometimes don't receive. Absolutely. Not the kneeling part, but just the posture, right? The internal posture. Because like a child demanding a present that's outside the parent's judgment or goodwill, like think about Christmas and they're like, hey, you know, get me a 12 gauge. The parent knows for a seven-year-old or six-year-old or five-year-old, the parent knows that gift would harm the child. And so they withhold that gun out of love. So, so the Christian prays in a way that wants his or her heavenly father's best. Like we want what God wants for us. Yes. How to pray number two is pray faithfully. Yes, which just means both know your father and trust your father. And that's an important distinction in the Christian life. Knowing is the mental ascent. You picture your, your head, right? We talk about the head and the heart. So you have a mental ascent to the said reality while trusting is the acting upon that knowledge, upon that reality. Like we can believe a bridge will hold our weight, but walking over the bridge reveals our trust. Or we could believe a chair will hold us, but sitting in the chair is what actually proves it. Yes. Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God. I say unto you that whoever says unto this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he said shall come to pass. True faith, just like Jesus said is trusting my life with its care into God's hands, Mm -hmm. believing he knows best and knowing that he'll perform my best. How do word faith and prosperity preachers abuse this, my love? That's a great question because they take the second principle we just talked about, the second principle divorced from the first one. They make great claims about faith in God, but forget it's based in the will of God. So we don't want to pray mountains move and quote for our own desires. Mm -hmm. It's not more health, more wealth, prosperity. We pray mountains move for God's desires, souls, sanctification, the fruit of the spirit. Nothing wrong with praying for physical things, but even those we're submitting to the will of God. So good. How to pray number three is pray privately. Which comes, as everyone knows, from Matthew 6, where Jesus said, enter into thy closet, and when you've shut your door, pray to the Father in secret, and your Father who sees shall reward you. Which doesn't mean we only pray in closet, because there's numerous New Testament examples of people praying together and in church. Yes, it just means also pray in the closet, also pray in secret, which is why Jesus uses you, the personal there, eight times in one verse. He's saying your prayer's got to be a personal matter. And the issue he's confronting in that context is hypocritical religion, where the hypocrite looks for ways to impress men, where the upright is simply looking and seeking for ways to please God. Which is why he illustrates with the Pharisee. Yes. And we never read of a Pharisee or Pharaoh or Saul or Judas or Demas or anybody being occupied in private prayer. Pharisees desire to pray where others can hear them, while the spiritual man doesn't avoid public prayer, but he spends far more time in private prayer. How to pray number four is pray humbly. And this is one everybody knows. You know, the tax collector of Luke 18, he's standing in the temple and he's beating his chest. Mm-hmm. 
and impressed by God is holy and depressed in himself as the sinner to the point he can't even raise up his eyes. He stands in the back wondering if he's even going to be allowed to be in the temple at all. And God's grace floods into prayers of a humble soul. Yes, because humble petitioners know their prayers have no merit. There's zero in that person that makes the prayer work. And if we believe our prayers are, in quote, good prayers, then they're prayers of self-merit, trusting mm-hmm. in our prayer ability, not in the king who so lovingly and graciously wants to just hear them. I liked that prayer ability. Prayer ability. <laughs> and this is a growing reality for Christians, where the more we come to know the heights of God, the more we see the utter depths of our own sin and frailty. Yes, that That's why he says, and I love that statement, I am the sinner. I'm not just a sinner. I'm not one of many sinners. I know what's inside of me, how unable, how small, how sinful, how lazy, how lustful. I'm the sinner. Anything good that's going to happen here is all because of you, God. Amen, amen. And this is where we're all going to be. Our entire life of sanctification is a journey where God is showing us more of who he is and more of who we're not, to the point that when we die, our shriveled body is laying there, wasting away. Our inner soul is yearning for his arms of love. I mean, you know how I I read biographies and I listen to my little hymns at night, but my favorite one right now, at least for the last year and a half, has been Abide With Me. It it makes me weep sometimes Mm -hmm. when you guys aren't around. You go off to Taekwondo. I don't tell you these things. But (laughs) this old Anglican cleric, it was Henry Francis Light. It's 1861. He's dying of cancer. He preached his last sermon. He goes home. Um, and then he wrote this hymn and he died like two months later. And there's just that, there's a couple of stanzas that I love. One of them is, hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. Beautiful, but my love, you have to be careful sharing these things. It's going to ruin your rep. Show everyone your sensitive side. My rep. What have I got no rep? <laughs> but I think everyone should know just how philosophical oh, yeah. you are, yep. how deeply you dwell on the things of eternity. And even that you spend hours on the porch reading, praying, thinking. Okay. Mom used to call you her tootsie roll. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're going to move on. Next. Pray number five, pray boldly. Pray boldly, which just builds on the others. If it's his authority and his power in a private way with humble posture, we're able to approach the throne of grace with boldness because it means he wants us there. He died so that we'd be there. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of Amazing thought. Amazing thought. Justification means I'm legally free. Adoption means I made a prince or a princess of the king. Mm -hmm. The picture here is like a prince who gets to walk confidently into the king's chamber, the king who made the universe, to whom the cherubim shout holy, holy, holy every moment, but we as his child are told to come there and to come into there boldly. Because it's a throne of grace. Yeah, it's a throne of gift. It's a throne of mercy. It's a throne where the king delights to showcase his goodness, what he himself bought and gave, loving the undeserved. And Jesus is there as high priest. And that's the key. And I know a lot of people know this. In the Old Testament, there was no Israelite who ever dared enter the holy place. But a priest was there to approach God on his behalf. And here's the heartbeat of boldness. Mm -hmm. Christ is our high priest. And even if we tremble like Esther approaching Ahasuerus, there has never been a trembling believer to whom Christ did not extend his scepter. He says, I died so that you could come always. So good. And that's why I think, honestly, like as we, older, wiser, more mature Christians, you, you hear them pray, they tend to sound more simple in their prayers. Than, than like when we're younger. I mean, I remember the story of Hudson Taylor. They used to say um, people would travel to China Inland Mission and they would be, th- be getting ready, excited to meet the Hudson Taylor. But then the entire room would freeze when he prayed 
because he would kneel and pray so softly, so personally, so intimately with the Lord, like a child to his father who he knew so well, that people would just sit there and they would learn by listening to him what it meant to have relationship with God. And I've heard that from those that I've looked up to over the years, where I think when we're first saved, it's just like learning to talk as a toddler. We're just learning basics. And then we grow in our theology and we tend to use kind of technical terms from the word, which isn't wrong. But then there comes a point of convergence where later in life, hopefully we've walked with God, not just knowing about him, but actually knowing him and experiencing how he works in our life to the point that our prayers have an honest and a vivid and a relational and a humble tone to them. Like John wrote, right? He said, you children know of God. The young men hold the doctrines of God, but the spiritual fathers, those are the ones who intimately know God. Amen. So let me try to summarize all of that. I'm preaching a little bit here. I can feel it. Love um, it. A brief rubric on how to pray. Okay. Number one, in Christ's name. Number two, faithfully. Number three, privately. Number four, humbly. And number five, boldly, knowing that Jesus died so that you would have the privilege to. And again, if anyone wants a much more detailed explanation, check out Joel Beakey's little book, Developing a Healthy Prayer Life. And remember, we can't promise the stats are perfect. I'm not you know, 100% certain that they are, although they look very well peer-reviewed. But even if they're generally correct, learning to pray together as a couple is life's greatest guarantee to staying together as a couple. So make it a priority, numero uno this year. Pray more in 2024. That was cute. <laughs> Thanks, Joanna. (laughs) Go build a farmhouse. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we admit you are creator and we are the created. You are life. We need life. So in Christ, we approach asking your help to pray more, to boast less, and appreciate everything for you are a good, good father and we're forever in your debt. These things we humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Date Nighters, we do love you so much. Lord willing, we will see you in a week. Special thanks to Ethan, our Mission Bible family. Until next time, keep living for His glory and fighting for your family. And go build a farmhouse. (laughs)